Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. Seth and Sean Sports Radio. <laughs> Seth, Sean from New Zealand. Seth from his living room in Hoboken while watching his baby cool, crawl, drool, and cry, and his dog watch watch uh, the the uh, Horizon Championship game aimlessly. So, how is the life at fifteen thousand miles away? It is. Pretty awesome. I have to tell you, I just got back from Milford Sound, which there'll be pictures posted on our website for the viewers to take a look. I hope you have been following along at least and saw my bungee jump that I did yesterday. It's 75 degrees out, perfect sunny weather. I actually just came back, like I said, from Milford Sound, but I came back on a 10-seat plane where I will post some video of that which you can see online at our website, Seth and Sean Sports Radio, on Facebook. It has been a tremendous trip so far. Thank you very much to the people in Chicago, although the Islanders did lose a 2-1 to one heartbreaker at the United Center. Great times in Chicago, great times so far in New Zealand. And the one thing that I'm realizing is, you know what, I have stuff planned for the next three weeks, but – don't look ahead. See what you have today. Enjoy what you have today. And then tomorrow will be another day. And it's been fantastic. Yesterday, uh, two days ago, Monday, I, ro- I arrived in New Zealand after a 13-hour flight, which was actually okay. My back is fine. And it was cloudy out. And they canceled my skydiving. So I could have sulked, which I did for about 30 seconds. And then I realized, you know what, let's, let's put skydiving on Friday. Let's try and do a bungee jump today. And there I went off of 500, almost 500 feet down into a canyon. Would recommend coming here to anybody. Queenstown, New Zealand, there really is no other place like this on earth. If there are any girls from Queensland, New, New Zealand, who are listening to the show and want to hang out with Sean, please feel free to call at 760-283-0846. I couldn't resist. Hold on. Yeah. Seth, there's a problem. There's a problem. You said Queensland. Queensland is in Australia. Queenstown is in New Zealand. Let's not go to Queensland because I will not be there. If there are girls from Queensland who don't want to deal with Sean, please feel free to call at seven six zero two eight three zero oh two eight three zero eight four six. Yeah, my week has not been quite as fun. Although I did have the pleasure of three days of peace when I sent my lovely wife and my seven-month-old uh, to Miami for a weekend. So it was just me and, and, and the dog, which in theory sounds great. So what do I do? Do I go out and party? 
Do I go to basketball? Do I go out? Do I go out? Are you kidding? I was asleep by like nine o'clock each night <laughs> from a guy who used to go to bed at 3 a.m. every night. Watched a little bit of basketball, did a little bit of cleaning, uh, did a little bit of work, and getting ready for the end of my busy season. Of course, I get a video, which I don't think, which I don't believe I have forwarded to Sean since he, he was away. Uh, Jake is now crawling, which is both nice! enjoyable and scary as hell. Carly's already That's crying because she's missing her childhood, missing his childhood. Um, and he just crawls and bumps into things and cries. So about as smart as his father from time to time, but obviously much more mature because I don't think I crawled until I was like two years old. I was a bit slow. So, Ladies and gentlemen, um, we'll have that, Mrs. Sherry Siemens on the phone at some point in the next couple of weeks to verify the call. <laughs> You think my mother is going to ever admit to me being slow? I am perfect. Don't you know that? In every way. In my mother's eyes? So, in your mother's eyes. Exactly. In my mother's eyes. So, you know, this time of year we're on, what are we really looking at? We're looking, we're, we're in championship week now. It'll start for, for the Qs tomorrow, I believe. Um, you beat Georgia Tech. Andrew White scores 40. You watch it, I believe, at LAX. Uh, Maryland on Mel, potential Melo Trimble's last shot at the at as a Maryland at as a Maryland at, at, at a Maryland game at, from the uh, from the Comcast Center. Excuse me, hits a three pointer to beat Michigan State with one second to go. I'm pretty comfortable with our bid. How are you feeling right now? Well, I said on on the blog the other day, I thought that Andrew White's performance and Syracuse's performance on. Saturday, and I was at LAX, uh, sealed the deal for the Orange. I really think that they are in. I understand that they will be the first team with 14 losses because I don't think that they're going to win the entire ACC tournament. In fact, I don't want them to win the ACC tournament because I think history shows that if you win your tournament, you don't go very far because you're playing so many games in so many days, in so few days, that you just get tired. So I think history does show that most champions don't win their own tournament. So let's go with that. So I don't want them to win the tournament. I just want they play Miami, the 8-9 seed, the 8-9 game tomorrow at noon, which is 6 a.m. New, New Zealand time, which is perfect, right before I go bungee again. So I will be up watching Watch ESPN app. I you're going, wait, you're going bungee twice? You're going bungee twice? Uh, different bungees. Different bungees. So the first bungee, well, we'll get to that in a second. There are two different bungees that I'm doing. So to, so to answer your question, I think they're in. I think their resume is as good as any bubble team. They have three top ten wins. They are six and seven against the top 50. Now Monmouth may drop out of that top 50, so they may be five and seven. The bubble teams are teams that they've beaten. A bubble team is Georgia Tech. They've beaten Georgia Tech. A bubble team will probably be – Miami's in. So if you think that they're a bubble team, Syracuse has beaten Miami. So, granted, all these wins, the one thing that you can hold against Syracuse – well, besides the fact that they have 13 losses, there are actually three things you can hold against them. Number one, 13 losses, which will be 14. Number two, they have a really bad loss against St. John's at home by 30. And that's, that's horrendous. That's absolutely horrendous. They lost to UConn. They lost to Georgetown. 
which doesn't look so bad, and they lost to St. John's. Those are bad losses. The other thing is, and what might keep them out, I think they're in, but what might keep them out is they have not played well away from home. They do not have a legitimate away win. And if the, tur- and if the tournament committee goes by what have you done on a neutral site or on the, the road wins, wow. I think we will beat Miami tomorrow. And if we beat Miami tomorrow, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a thought that keeps us out. I think we're definitely in. I think we seal it tomorrow if we win. I think we're in today. What about yourself? Do you think we're in? I don't know. I'm not as – I have a lot of problems when I see, as you said, it's, the 13 losses is bad, but that may not – or the 14, assuming that you do lose in the tournament. But that may not even be the most losses to make the tournament this year. Vandy has 14 now. And according to ESPN, they're the last team in. Um, they've also beaten Florida, I think, tw- Florida twice. They have some good wins also. But as you said, your losses are awful, some of these. Um, you know, I'm kind of looking right now. I mean, UConn has been bad this year. That's not a good loss. Georgetown is not a good – St. John's is brutal. Losing to Boston College by 15, Boston College is 9-23. Yep. and 23. So, I, so Scott, know, let's – the one thing that I have to say about that is look when the losses took place. So the losses all took place in December or January. So very early in the season. Boston College, I think, was the last of those, and I think that was January 8th or 9th. So, uh, like I said, those are bad losses. But does the tournament committee – and we've seen this before – do they hold early season losses when you have grad transfers? Basically, our whole team was new. Or do you, do you hold them in the same light as you do late season losses? And do you hold those no, you bad don't. losses? But, do you hold those bad losses in the – are those bad losses counteracted by wins over Virginia, Duke, Florida State? I mean, those are three top ten teams I, at the time feeling is you need to win. I think you need to win this game. Um, I think I think there's I think you may get in without it but you know when worse to a degree is worse than even some well I mean St. John's is inexcusable but to a degree worse than some of these at losses as you said you have no good road wins and I'm not talking top 15, top 20. Like I'm looking at your, at your road wins. The best one that I see is Clemson who's six and 12 this year in conference and 17 and 14. Not one. So I think Miami on a neutral North Carolina state is is four and 14 in the, they're four and 14 in the conference. They're not, they're 15 and 17 overall. I think you need okay. to win in this game. I think this, I think again, depending how the bubble plays, cause there's always one or two weird things that happen. Um, I think, I think you need to beat Miami to get in. And then after that, I, I think that would do it. You may very well get in without it, but you're treading, I think on really shaky ground. And if you get, don't get in, I don't think you have a huge argument. 
13 losses and no convincing road wins does that. I hope you get in. Um, but, and I think you should beat Miami because I think you, I think Bayheim is probably, it's probably, you know, I, I think it's impossible to ignore. I don't think anyone on Syracuse can feel safe at this point. I mean, do you feel safe agree. that you're in at this point? What'd you say? No. I, I said, I would, I, I said, no, I would agree with that. Absolutely. I do not feel safe. So, so if you can't beat a middle of the road, Miami team, like a decent team, but nothing spectacular with nothing, with everything on the line on the, in a neutral, in a neutral game, then I don't, I don't think you make it. I think that, I think George, Georgia Tech got you to this point. I think you need to win this game to get in. Okay. I, and I, I have no argument to that. None. No, you, you can't. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm playing on ESPN right now just to look. I mean, for Maryland, we, we're jumping back and forth between a six and a seven, it looks like. Uh, ESPN has us as a seven in the east against Baylor. Is a, Seton Hall is a ten and Baylor is a two. I'll be honest. I'll be pretty happy with that. Um, I don't think – I think we should be above us. I think we should be a six. But I'm not really, I'm not really, you know, as long as we stay out of the eight, nine, anywhere between six and seven is fine. Um, we have finally had a very good week. We beat Northwestern. Um, we beat Michigan State in a very good game. and We never beat Michigan State. I don't think we have the depth up front to make a run. But either way, this was a team that was picked to go to be 10th in the Big Ten and to end up. 12 and 6 and 14 and 7, 24 and 7 overall, I'll happily take it. Yeah, I could totally understand that. So, having been outside of the realm of anything right now, um, have there been any major upsets in, in, uh, at the end of the regular season wins? Now, there's one no. thing that does surprise me. One thing that does surprise me is this is the first year I believe that the the Ivies are actually playing a, a conference tourney. It is, and it's a little different, which and it's actually something that I kind of like. Um, the Ivies, I believe, are not. It's only the top four teams or make make it. Correct. Correct. So you have They're Princeton and Penn at the Palestra. You have Princeton is the one over the four, uh, Princeton, Penn, and Harvard, Yale, and everyone else is out. And to be honest, that makes a lot more sense to me, especially for kind of the quote-unquote mid-majors. Um, because, I mean, to me, you know, look, it's, it's great when you have an eight seed. And there was one huge upset. I'm trying to remember who it was, who's made it already. And I'll, I'll look it up quickly. But... I'm, I'm looking here, seeing which one, if I can remember which one it was. But, you know, there's something to be said. I think it's is it Jacksonville. 20, uh, maybe. Um, there's something to be said for playing a whole year and really getting nothing out of it. And that's what a lot of these conferences, you know, they do it because ESPN pays them a crap load of money for it. And considering ESPN, and this you may not know, ESPN is a, anticipating $100 million worth of layoffs in July um, due to their subscriptions. Okay. Due to their subscriptions decreasing by about 7% a year. 
And the reality is they probably overpaid for the NBA and probably have overpaid for a lot of things. And now with cable TV for all intents and purposes plateauing, you know, this is, this is, this, this may be what happens. Um, but, you know, to me to see a, a, a 12 and 20 team make it, you know, it's one thing if in a big conference you make a run because you're going to have, you know, five, six, seven teams make it. But for a team, you know, for a game like right now I have on, uh, looks like Northern Kentucky versus Milwaukee. I guess that's who NKU is, I'm assuming. Um, you know, I don't want to see a 12 and 20 team make it. I want to see a, a 27. Yeah, this is Milwaukee's the 10 seed. Northern Kentucky is the four seed. Milwaukee's 11 and 23. I don't want to see them make it. The up, the the greatness to me is the 27 and 7 team. You know that's got no respect. The Lehigh with C.J. McCollum beating Duke. That to me is great. Quinn led Norfolk State beating Missouri in 2004 or 14 or 13, whenever 11, whenever it was when Missouri was relevant, was top five, and I actually picked them to win the national title. That is great. To see a 10 and 25 team lose by 70 to Villanova, not very interesting to me. That's fair. Okay. So moving on to something a little different, um, Missouri's coach, Tim Anderson, losing his job since you just spoke about Missouri. After only three years on the job. First of all, what are your thoughts on him actually losing his job? Second of all, this is not a plum assignment that he's going to be able to get. They're going to be able to get great coaches. And can anybody really succeed at Missouri? Sure. The SEC. Absolutely. First of all, the SEC, they, remember, they were in the Big 12 before jumping to the SEC. Yep. If you look, if you look at the conference for basketball, this isn't even a comparison. The SEC is typically terrible. Let's call it what it is. For the last 10 years, other than Kentucky and Florida, it's been awful. Tennessee had one or two decent teams. Vandy had one or two decent teams. But it is, a, it is not a great basketball. In a, in a, the ter- it is not a great basketball conference by any stretch of the imagination. It's mediocre as hell. So please tell me why a guy – and I, th- I think they're going to get a decent coach. I do. Now, I don't, I don't know if they go – they may go for a retread like a Mark Gottfried who's been fired from NC State. They may – the guy I think they're going to try and bring in, and I don't think they can do it. I think they're going to go after Tom Cream from Indiana because I think Cream is gone. And he's not a guy who's going to be – he, I think he wants a, a bit of an easier situation after really just kind of just being decimated by the, Indi- by the Indiana press and similar to mm-hmm. kind of a Rick Barnes esque kind of thing where he was at Texas forever, you know, having me, you know, where they don't care as much. I, that's probably a bad example actually, but I, I think that, he, I think that makes sense where he can kind of build a program, rebuild the program again, have no real time rush to do so. And can do it right, and I think he can win there. I think they'll make they'll probably reach out to an Archie Miller from from Dayton. I think they'll reach out to probably, you know, a couple of these guys. Johnny Jones from LSU was just fired as well. You know, Mark Godfrey fired from NC State. There's a lot of jobs. There's gonna be a lot of jobs open. Um, his yeah, stats are awful. That's that's not 
that's not one of the plum jobs. I mean, in my opinion, that's just not there. I mean, they from reports they're looking at a Quanzo Martin too. If you're if you're Quanzo Martin, are you taking that job or are you waiting for say North Carolina State? Plum well, but but you have to remember Quanzo Martin play, is a is a Midwest guy. He played at Purdue. He coached at Tennessee and was relatively, you know, in was run off really. Um, so, I mean, I don't, it's not a plum job, but I mean, there's a lot of jobs that may be out there. So, I mean, you know, John Grossi to Illinois may be gone. Boston College may have an opening. Penn State, Washington should be open, but because Lorenzo Warmar is bringing in the number one recruit in the country again, he'll probably keep his job. No reason that he's keeping his job. I mean, you have Markel Fultz, who's going to be the number one pick in the draft, and you don't win 10 games. You know, what does that say? Um, it is not a bad, it is not a top job, but I don't think it's a bad one either. Because I don't, like, you go to NC State, your expectations are through the roof. And the reality is, what is NC State in the ACC? You're an ACC, you're an ACC, you've been in the ACC for three years. What do you think of NC State as a job? I think it's, uh, well, I think that's my question more to the point is when you are one of these, NC State's not a primary recruiting, they're in a recruiting hotbed, but they're not the team in the recruiting hotbed. In fact, they're probably what? Fourth in their own state? Maybe fifth? No, third or fourth. Fourth. Behind you, behind North Carolina. Okay, so they're third in their own state, which is not a very popular state to begin with, being North Carolina. So my question is pretty simple. And this is why I asked you whether Kim Anderson got enough of play. How many years is enough for these jobs? Because you see guys being fired after two years, after three years. With the advent of one and done, which is not really an advent anymore. I mean, it's pretty much been there for 10 years, maybe even more. How much is enough? How much until you get your guys and have a chance to turn it around? Is three years enough time? When your record is under 30%, when you have a winning percentage under 30%, I, I, I don't really have an issue. Um, they have, they've won 10 games once under Kim Anderson. And, you know, I guess one of the things, and this is interesting, we talk about this in the business world. You know, you, when you, I remember when I was interviewing at Goldman Sachs a long, long time ago. And the guy pretty much told me, he said, I don't need you. I can take a chance on you if I choose to, but I don't, you know, I can go to Harvard or Yale or anything like that and get the guy. And if he fails, you know, it doesn't matter because he went to Harvard or Yale. So who would have known? So my, so if I had gotten hired, I was already one strike in, you know, Kim Anderson was the head coach at central Missouri for 10 years. 11 years prior to nobody knew who he was. You know, he wasn't coming. He wasn't an assistant at North Carolina or at Duke. He was a, a home state guy that thought they thought they could recruit there. He hasn't been able to. They're not, Missouri is not going to give the benefit of the doubt on this kind of thing. When, you know, you don't have the pedigree to back it up. You know, like he was successful at division two, but he had no, he had never coached a division one. So he, he had no pedigree. 
And they're not going to give, you're not going to get, when you have, it doesn't take five years to rebuild a basketball program. It can, but, you know, usually it takes four. I shouldn't say that. It can take five. But there has to be some version of ascension. And when you have Missouri's record of 9 and 23, 10 and 21, 7 and 23, with, you know, 3 and 15, 3 and 15, and 2 and 16 in the Southeastern Conference, we're not talking the ACC. We're not talking the Big 12 or the Big 10. What kind of ascension do you see? You see a you see team going nowhere. I would have done the same thing. Okay. I'm just curious. I mean, how much is enough time? And that, that especially when you, when you have to then go recruit, how much is enough time? Because how do, you tell a, how do you tell a student who is coming to, and this is my big problem with football more than it is with basketball, because basketball is four years, but you could, most of the time you could transfer out and take that year. But football is a little bit harder in the fact that how do you tell a recruit I'm going to be there all four years. You can't. You can't. And the recruits just can't leave the same way coaches do. I know this has been an issue throughout college basketball and college sports over the last couple of years, but I think it's a pretty big issue to me in that when, when Jim Beheim goes and recruits people, he can tell them, I'm going to be here two years or three years, depending on what his retirement plans are. Mike Krzyzewski the same right. way. And Roy Williams the same way. And even Tom Izzo can say, I'm going to be here four years. Right? He, he's making his own plan. It's not somebody else. But I think four years is, 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 is necessary. I think your, your first recruiting class, you have to be able to tell them that. Uh, it, just me. Yeah. My but opinion. I think there are – I think, though, when you're looking – when you're looking at these numbers, which are – so lousy. Uh, I, I think there are there are um, not when you're when you're talking about last in your conference three straight years. Um, you know, twenty losses each year. You no, know, not hitting ten wins. I, I, no, I, I understand. If you have to see some kind of improvement, he's putrid, so it doesn't matter. There are overriding circumstances. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it entirely. Um, so anyway, so what else we got going on here in, in the world of sports? We got spring training now full stride. Matt Harvey certainly not doing very well, and uh, the Yankees uh, coming in for the first time in a long time with very few to little expectations. Do you agree on that? Well, I don't think they had expectations really in the last year or two. Um, but yeah, it's. It's actually an enjoyable year for Yankee fans in regards to we know it's a rebuilding year. And look, there is some, there is some hope for optimism, for reasonable hope for optimism. Um, there is so much youth between Glaber Torres and Clint Frazier. And, you know, guys that they, you know, the people they received in, you know, Ron Chapman coming back, they still have the chances. You know, it's, there is talent there and there's going to be a, you know, a lot more cap money, uh, cap room soon enough to make the runs at Bryce Harper, to make the runs at Manny Machado, you know, whoever it may be. Um, but I, 
the pitching staff, I don't know how to read. And we'll see. You know, it's not, you know, for the second or third straight year, the Mets have, it'll be a Mets town this year, or it should be. But you need to hit. And even with Cespedes back, there's certainly no, there's not a great deal of confidence in their lineup. Uh, Agreed. But we can meet the Mets. I mean, meet the Mets, greet the Mets. We're all ready for that. I am re- I am ready for baseball and I am ready for warmth when I get back to New York. Hopefully we'll get a little bit of that. Because well, it's beautiful here. I'm not... Yeah, no one's crying for you, buddy. Um but I, I think the the major thing going on in addition to, you know, in addition to tournament week is we have NFL free agency starting on on Thursday. The Jets have pretty much decided they're doing the uh their tank their tank have already decided to tank let's call it what it is uh i'm when you when you lose all these players i'm assuming eric decker is probably on his way out as well brandon marshall cut i know the giants are interested if they can if they can make a finance if they can afford it financially do you i i don't even know where they're looking to be perfectly honest they probably you know, they kind of made the playoffs or, or 10 and six, two years ago on a wing and a prayer and the reality hit and it's going to, and it's going to continue. And you made this comment two weeks ago that you thought the jets had less talent than any team in the NFL. And if you were yep. not correct two weeks ago, you probably are now. Yeah. I, I'm Is it, kind of, uh, I'm kind of discouraged by everything, but yes, it, that is definitely the case. They have the least amount of talent in the NFL. Um, they are tanking for all intents and purposes. And I will say this. I have said this before, and I'll say this again for any one of my teams. And I think you're of the same opinion. Is if, if you have a plan, if you have a legitimate plan, whereas as the Phillies did, do are right now, as the Astros did, you can even say in some ways – Really, as the Browns are doing today, not as they were three years ago, but today, and you want to lose for two seasons, I'm comfortable with losing for two seasons if you have a plan. If you don't have a plan, then I have no confidence in you whatsoever. But if the Jets are saying, look, we're going to lose for two years, we're going to get our quarterback, whoever that may be, it may be Christian Hackenberg, it may be somebody else, but we're going to get our quarterback. And then we're going to work towards a championship team. You just have to survive two years. I think I'm okay with that. Been okay with that for the Knicks with Donnie Walsh, who was trying to do it. I was okay with the Mets when they were trying to do it, not being penny pinchers, but actually accumulating assets. I'm okay with it. Would you? I think you're, you're of the same boat. I think your problem, say with the net, with the Nets, is that they just don't have a plan. And with the Yankees, you like the fact that they're doing that right now. I do. Well, the Nets, the Nets, the issue is the GM and the owner. For all intent, the GM wanted to keep his. I'm convinced that the only reason that Garnett and Pierce trade was made was. To keep, so Kings could keep that because that team was not championship caliber no matter what. And that's the only reason you trade all this youth for 37-year-old guys. 
And that, by being in the five seed or the four seed for two or three years, that allowed Billy King to keep his job. And I think in, by forfeiting the future, now Bobby Marks comes, or Sean Marks, I forget which one it is, one of the Markses comes in. And this team is absolutely and utterly, dis- it's, a, it's, a, it's a college, it's a D-League team, short of, short of Brooke Lopez. You know, you look at this team, and these are, you know, Sean Kilpatrick and, and Jeremy Lin and, and, and uh, Trevor Booker. Like, this is not an NBA starting team. And they play, I feel bad for Kenny Atkinson because I've watched, you know, luckily I have a wife, for whatever reason, the one sport she loves watching is she loves watching her net. So I've seen a bunch, they play really hard. They're just not very talented. And, you know, what can you say? Right, so the point, the Giants, being, so the it, point the, being, when we, we, when we were talking about the Jets and the fact that I'm comfortable with them having the least amount of, of talent is that right now the Nets have the least amount of talent but have a plan. While with Billy Knight, Billy King, excuse me, Billy King, they really didn't have one. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be – that's right. And there's a, look, it's the Giants. And it, I mean, the Giants seem to be that team – that while never hitting the, I mean, look, they have two championships, but that aside, um, that never get go to a complete rebuild, but are never the best team. You know, similar to the Dolphins were in the in the late eighties, early nineties with Marino. You know, they were always this eight and eight, nine and seven, seven and nine, ten and sixteen, where they couldn't fully restart, rebuild. Um, you know, the Giants happen to get get on two very hot streaks, and, and, and we all know what happened. But, um, you know, the Giants haven't done it really since in the last 25 years, in the last 20 years, give or take. So I've been fortunate in that regard, and they're going to be a threat again this year, um, whether they go for a running back or a wideout or fix the offensive line or whatever they choose to do. You know, they, they, they're going to be competitive again. And, you know, the, they were lucky that their three big signings, Harrison, Jenkins, and Vernon, really were effective. And you just have to hope that whoever the Jet, whatever the Jets do, whether it's signing a Mike Lennon as a short-term, short you know, as a, as, a, as, a, as a gap measure, um, or whatever they choose to do, whether they draft a Latimer or, or draft a Mike Williams, that, you know, they can't continuously make these mistakes. They have, I mean, I, I saw, I don't think there's anyone left from John Itzik at this point. Or there may be like three players that he drafted that are left. You know, how long has Itzik been gone? Four years? That, that, that's not, right. well, that's not that how a championship was, team is built. Right, but Seth, I think that was the problem. Itzik, who was a capologist, really that's what his job was, not really a scout or talent-wise, um, made these big money deals made this Darrell Rivas deal, made – now, I'm not saying Brandon Marshall was a mistake. I don't think he was, and I don't think Nick Mangold was a mistake. I really think that the Jets as a team just got very old last year. And the only way to get out from that, is, as Reggie McKenzie in 
Oakland Raiderland, Las Vegas Raiderland, L.A. Raiderland, whatever you want to call it, Raiderland, found out is you have to cut these guys, take the cap hit, and then rebuild. And nobody has done it better than McKenzie out there in, in, in Raiderland, and I think that's what the Jets have to do. They have to find a quarterback. I, look, find, finding Derek Carr in the, in the second round was genius for Reggie McKenzie. But he drafted Kyle, uh, Khalil Mack third overall. He had some great draft picks later in the, in the draft. And he signed some very good players. But first he had to cut the Justin Tucks of the world that had huge salaries. The Richard Seymours of the world who had huge salaries. And take it, basically take it up the tailpipe, as, um, as Jim Carrey said in Liar Liar, for a couple of years. And unfortunately, New York has, has really not done very well with a rebuild ever. But I think that's because people, the owners, underestimate the tolerance of a New York fan. I think New Yorkers are well. Jake is, is crying his eyes out over there. And I get it. I get it, Jake. We'll be okay, buddy. We'll be okay. I will. I understand. Wow. Hold. Yeah, he's. Uh, that's why I had him sleeping for a little while. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, Jake Kamen's. Jake Kamen's. There we go. Oh. And he just. Ooh. I'm going to let you talk for about 45 <laughs> seconds more. So hold on a second. You keep going. Ladies and gentlemen, the newest Jets fan is already crying due to his lack of uh, a team. It is, it is a really interesting concept, a rebuild. And we've seen it in Philadelphia. We've seen it in Houston. We've seen it in L.A. We've seen it in all the big markets. We haven't really seen it in New York very much. And I think that the Knicks – should have done it with Donnie Walsh. They started down that road, and then James Dolan said, no, 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 I want to win now, and, and got Carmelo Anthony. The Yankees are now doing it when, when George Steinbrenner passed away. Finally, the Steinbrenners learned, I don't know, learned a mistake by the A-Rod signing of the big signing and, and the C.C. Sabathia signing, and they're going down that same path right now with the young kids. And kudos to Brian Cashman for allowing that to happen. The question is whether Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, and maybe the ambassador to Ireland will allow, have the patience in New York for a rebuild. And that might mean losing some season ticket holders for a couple of years and proving that you can stay out of the way. Look, the person that signed Darrell for six years and $16 million was Woody Johnson. He's the guy that wanted it. He's the guy that did it. And he's the reason the Jets have $6 million in cap room taken up by Darrell Revis, even though he's not going to be playing for them this year. An interesting question was posed, I believe, by Rich Semini on ESPN.com. And, Seth, I'd love your, your comments on this. He doesn't think Darrell Revis is going to play this year because he doesn't think that he's going to get more than $6 million. And if he's not going to get more than $6 million a year, why would he play? He's basically playing for free. Well, we all know. We all. Let's see what we got here. All right. The little man is now being sufficiently fed. 
Um, well, we all know that as talent, jeez, as talented as 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 talented as Dwayne, as talented as Darrell Revis is, you know he's always he's been known as a mercenary throughout his career, and this is a business to him. This is not a. I, I don't know how much I don't know how much he ever loved the game. He loved what the game brought him, which was a lot of money because he was phenomenal at it. So if I were him, I mean the way I, I shouldn't say that. Considering what's going on with him currently. I wouldn't. I agree with you. If he can't make more than six million, why should he play? He can rest his body. He can, and then he can make a decision. You know, him and his uncle Sean Gilbert, who held out for a season, you know, while he was an All Pro, can make a decision whether he wants to come back. Most likely, has more money than he will ever need. So, if your body's in good shape, and you, unless you love the game, you've made. What sixty, seventy million dollars over the years? I agree with you. I think that makes all the sense in the world for him not to play. Yeah, and I think the only reason he would play is to get away from the concept that he's all about the money. I think that may be that may be the only reason. What has been reported more so in the last couple of weeks, and I read this on the plane, is that. Terrell Owens was kept out of the Hall of Fame because people have a problem with Terrell Owens. Now, there is a morality clause in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. There is, I believe, a morality clause in Jake's food. There is not a morality clause in the (laughs) NFL Hall of Fame. And People are making their morality. People are basing their decisions on a morality clause that just doesn't exist. And agreed that we believe that Terrell Owens is a Hall of Famer. In fact, I believe Seth, you were, you believe in that inner circle of Hall of Famers, which is not what the NFL does. The NFL requires you to vote four people in every year. I think if you voted one person in every year, Seth would still have Terrell Owens in the Hall of Fame. As that inner I don't know about that, but I, but I think, I think he, I don't, jeez. Is, is Terrell Owens in your top wow. 10 wide receivers of all, Seth, is, is Terrell Owens of all in your time? top 10 wide receivers of all time? Yeah. I mean, think about it quickly. Um, he's probably in the discussion. I mean, I would think so. I mean, do you count wideouts? Do you count tight ends? Excuse me. I mean, for Different straight, position. okay, for straight, for straight, okay, for straight wideout, I would think off the top of my head, Hudson, Barry, Allworth, um, Rice, Randy Moss. I'm, I'm missing a bunch. I know. I'm just doing this. You know, uh, yeah, he probably would be. I would have him above a Tim Brown and Andre Reed or a Chris Carter. I would have him. Yeah, he would be in my top 10, I think. And I find it a little bit, his hands were not great, which is so it's ironic that I would say that, but he was a great blocker. He was, he was, he made a lot of the tough catches and he had whatever you want to call it. He had it. And 
he did. I mean, this is a guy who with a, was a broken leg or had ten catches in the Super Bowl or had some. I forget what exactly it was. I believe he would have been in my. He would be in my top ten. I'd have to think about it, but I think he would be right there. So if he's in your top ten, then how is he not in the inner circle? Because I'm doing this off the top of my head. But, yeah, I mean, when okay. I think of wideouts, yeah. Calvin Johnson I mean, may be there. You know. Yeah, that's what I was, yeah. because, what I was trying but, to But, get look, there, we, 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 all know, we all know that there have been players who have done a lot worse than him that are in the Hall of Fame. You know, the morality clause, clause from a sports writer perspective is incredibly hypocritical. I mean, look, Lawrence Taylor is the greatest defensive player probably of all time. What didn't he do? You know, when he was in the NFL, what drugs wasn't he on? I mean, I don't see O.J. Simpson's uh, bust being revoked. The morality clause is hypocritical. And well, no, there I is, mean, in that, the, there is none. That's the point. Well, I mean, NFL, well, that's it. There if there is, is none, morality then, clause. then this isn't a discussion. Then this shouldn't be a discussion point. He is a Hall of Fame quarter. He's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. It is that simple. I don't. I didn't look. I didn't love him. I, I didn't enjoy watching him play. I thought he was arrogant and this and that. And he certainly was not the best teammate in the world for some for a lot of his. You know, he was a me guy. But I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I wasn't there. But there is no question. You know, when his stats come, when the stats are all said and done, and for those who have watched him play, that he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, what is he like third all third or fourth all time in receptions? I mean, his numbers are are huge. I'm looking at it right now: 1,078 catches, 16,000 yards, 150 touchdowns. I mean, those are all time numbers, and to not include him is silly. Six-time Pro Bowl, five-time first-team All-Pro. It's just Jesus Christ. It's not the kid; it's the dog. <laughs> See, you go to Bali, and this is what happens. I'm not in Bali yet. Oh, whatever, New Zealand. You go to the cross. The, you go to the other hemisphere. This is what happens. This is your fault. <laughs> it's all. Uh, you know, you could have come with me. Really. You could have. How, how, how exactly? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no. Carly, Here we go. Carly, wait, 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 Carly got a vacation. Why can't you? I think my choice of the, I think I have a better <laughs> chance of us going up to Cooperstown for a weekend. I think that could probably be negotiated. I don't think can, can, the only wait, person I've ever seen. Let, let's, let's, let's understand. I am your negotiator. Because that's my job. Maybe we should put on the table New Zealand and hope to get New Orleans as a compromise. <laughs> you think my wife is going to let me go to, New Ze- go to New Orleans without her? Have you met my wife? Yes. Yes. And you think she'll say, Seth, please go to the home of debauchery, the house of the rising sun. Please drink at Patty O'Brien's Hurricanes until 4 a.m. Have you met my wife? If- 
way. If I'm with you, she'll trust me. She may not trust you, but I'll promise that you'll be in bed by two. <laughs> I think you would have had a better well, chance of bringing Fred. The only person I know who's married and been able to go on a two and a half week vacation by themselves is Fred Steinman. And he now teaches astrology at seemingly for a living. So who the hell knows? But it is, I know one thing. It is true. Yeah. What's that? My wife would not let me go to New Zealand for a two week trip. I may not know. I may not be very smart. I may be quite dumb, except to all my clients. To them, I'm brilliant. But I am damn sure that my wife is not letting me go to New Zealand. And I'm just as sure that my wife will not, who I love very much, will not say, Seth, yeah, go, go, to, New Zealand, go to New Orleans for a four, for a four day. I, I don't see that happening anytime in the near future. Or she'll say, go, please, and bring your, bring your nine-month-old son. Pretty sure well, we, New we, Zealand, no, we could New Orleans that. is not built That's okay. for uh, Jake. No, no, no. We could do that. Please, please, please bring Jake. Man, there will be nobody better equipped to pick up women than me with Jake. I'm good. I have I'm, loaned you. I, I have offered you the dog. I have offered you the, the baby. You said no. No, 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 no. What I have said is I am not taking the dog under any circumstances because the dog craps, and I have no desire to a crappy dog. The dog whines. I have no desire to deal with a whining dog. Your, your baby, yeah, I'm good with Jake for like three hours. That would be great. You know why? He doesn't crap in three hours. He doesn't need to eat in three hours. Everything works fine for about a three-hour time. So I'm totally on board. So pretty much what you do, what, well, pretty much what you do is you you put him in a you put him on the floor. You just let him crawl for three hours while you do your thing. Is there anything really wrong with that? No, because it would get me away from him for three hours. <laughs> wow! Look, we, Your wife didn't hear you say hey. that. Oh no, she'll get it. My look, my kid is awesome. He is a great, great kid, and we've been hosting the show for about seven months. He's been here every time. We've only this has probably been the, this has been the worst issue we've had with it with him, and I think it's because he's running. I think he's running a little bit of a fever. So mm-hmm. this is the worst we're dealing with. We're doing okay, but all right, back right. to actual sports. And I will talk to my wife about New Zealand. Thank you. No, no, no. Talk to her about Australia, and then bring me in for the New Zealand part. Because we'll, get, we'll get this done. You, we'll get this done. I'm, I'm holding my breath. Um, anyway, so free agency coming up. What are your thoughts on some players, you know, that, who have been surprised, you know, some surprisingly released, some not so surprisingly released, some big names, though. You know, I want your thoughts. Yeah. Is he, where Adrian Peterson? Where are you thinking? Thinking he winds up with your New York football giants. Silence. I'm curious to see. I think he winds up with the Giants or back. Yeah, I think he winds up with the Giants or he's back with the Vikings. I'm curious to see. I'm here. I'm curious to see where. I I don't think the Giants are interested. 
I think they like Perkins. I think they want a guy who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. As a Giants fan, I'd love to have him. But I get the feeling, based on what I've read, that they're, not, they're just not that interested. You know, I wonder, you know, I see him as a platoon, maybe in Oakland with Latavius Murray, where they have the great offensive no, line and they have a solid passing game. Well, I don't think Latavius Murray's going to resign. I think he's going to be gone, too. I think he's going to want too much money. So, if that's the case, and I think Reggie McKenzie's ready to let him go, they're going to use their money on Derek Carr and Khalil Mack, who they have to, who they have to re-sign after this year. I think they're going to use money for there. I think they're pretty happy with Jelaine Richards and Dwayne Washington, and that may be another place where Adrian Peterson may go. Because with a great offensive line, I don't think there's an issue with his able to uh, put together a pretty good season. No, I completely agree. How about Alshon Jeffrey? Does he resign with Chicago? Well, I think they had their shot with the with the tag, and they didn't use it. So I really think that he goes over to the Rams. I think he becomes their number one receiver. I think the Rams make a run. I think Tennessee makes a run at him. Tennessee needs a wideout. That's not a bad They need call. a big – they have a sh- – yeah. They have Rashard Matthews, but they need a big, strong number one guy because this is a team that between this defense and this running game is now built to kind of take over this division because Houston we have no feel for. Nobody does from a quarterback perspective. And Indianapolis has no team other than their quarterback. Seville, unfortunately, is Jacksonville. So I think think he goes Tennessee. I don't see any reason that Chicago would re-sign him. How about Mike Glennon? So, here's my hope. My hope is that it's the, it's the New York Jets. I really think that he's a good quarterback. I think he pushes the ball down the field. And the Jets, while they don't have sure-fire and sure-handed receivers, they do have speed. And I think that when he played in that type of offense with Greg Schiano, he was productive. Um, I, think, I think he's going to be a New York Jet. I think it makes sense. I think the only I think it's a two team race for Glennon. I think it's the Jets or the Bears. He's certainly not going to go anywhere where he's going to sit. You know, he wants a legitimate shot as a free, legitimate shot to to be a starting quarterback. And the problem with either the Jets or the Bears is you don't. I mean, the Bears. If I was him, I'd probably go to Chicago. Um, their defense is better. They're running back with Jordan Howard. They seem to have some version of a running game with Jordan Howard. You know, Kevin, there's not much there at the wideouts, but we don't know what Kevin White brings to the table. Hopefully he can get healthy after two years of injury. And, I mean, to me, that he has a better chance of success there, I think, than he does in New York. As I said, I think New York, unless he's – and I don't even know if there's any young quarterbacks in Chicago. I mean, thinking through it quickly, Hoyer's older, Barkley's been around, Cutler's going to be cut. They have nobody there. Unless they want to take a number three pick, there's a quarterback they love at number three. And I don't think there is. Based on just, 
I mean, John Fox's coaching is never really, he's a running back defense guy. I don't think they would take a pick with him at three. They would take a cue at three. I think Chicago makes sense for him more than anyone else. I would agree with you. I hope not, but I agree with you. We do have uh, three minutes to go. So, Seth, why don't you take it away, and then I'll, I'll give the last word. I'll just let you go because you're in New Zealand and that's or Australia or Bali or wherever the hell you are. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's a lot more interesting than what I, what I have. I have a crying baby who's right. crawling for the first time and a doggy who has attention, who has ADD. I'll let you go. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we will similarly be posting a video of Jake's crawling. So you'll have some video, video evidence of this. It is just as exciting as me bungee jumping, trust me. In fact, it may be more exciting. Next week, I'll be in Sydney, so we'll have a new perspective on that. We'll have uh, the NCAA tournament preview next week because that'll be after the conference tournaments, which take place this weekend. The ACC tournament starts tomorrow for both of us. For me, it starts at 6 a.m. For you guys, it starts at noon. And I believe the Big Ten also starts tomorrow. Maryland, I assume, has a bye. Who do they play in the first round? Maryland actually has a double bye. Uh, they are the three seed, and they have a double bye until Friday. Okay, so they'll be playing Friday, so we'll be sure to, to take a look. I hope that Syracuse does make the tournament, although that would make Sydney a very interesting five-in-the-morning uh, wake-up call, just like I would anywhere else. I do love my orange. Uh, the following week, Seth will be uh, co-hosting with a special guest host, which he has to figure out because I will be on a plane on my way back from Bali, and, um, but I'll definitely be posting pictures and uh, statuses and maybe video of the um, bungee jump tomorrow, just to give you a little clarification. I bungee jumped off, Matt, off the Nevis bungee jump, which is almost 500 feet straight in the air into a canyon. Tomorrow, I bungee jump off Mount, uh, sorry, the Karawu Bridge, which means I am bungee jumping into water. My head will sit, will go into the water, which is awfully amazing. So for Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, off to a jet boat across the uh, across the New Zealand River, and we will uh, off talk cha- to you next week. Ch- and off the change, and I'm off the change of baby's diaper. I lose. There you go. We, <laughs> we live in. Have a good week, everybody. We live in mysterious worlds. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye bye.